to be here. Turn with your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17. I just want to get right into this message. We plant and build churches where there are little or no gospel message. And we started out in the bush of Kenya. No running water, no electricity. People live in mud and cow dung huts. And um, we are now in two different countries of Kenya. Now we are in Tanzania. We started in Tanzania, and God is just doing some absolutely incredible stuff. Matter of fact, we are planting and or building a church every 15 days uh, out in the bush of Africa somewhere. And most of our churches are planted underneath a tree and with... uh, basically a pastor and his family, and they go and evangelize that area. When they get about 20, 30 people there, we'll come back, we'll build them a building. When they see that building, people see God because they don't, they have, there's no buildings out there. And some of the places you saw in that video, there are people that simply, uh, there's just no mud huts anywhere. People are walking from all over to come, and uh, God's just doing incredible things. Matter of fact, with the Maasai people, Uh, Our ministry is building 95% of all the churches out there right now, and God is just doing incredible things. With our fellowship, we are seeing uh, over 10,000 people meeting on a Sunday uh, as a result of that, and so God has just done some absolutely incredible things. And, uh, and so I just want to share this message with you, and I got some, just some stories I think are just going to really build your faith. Are you ready? All right, Galatians chapter 6 and verse, verse 17. Paul is talking here, and he's ending this uh, particular letter. And when he, he gets towards the end, generally Paul in this letter, is at the end of his letters, he's basically thanking people or saying his goodbyes or he's saying, uh, hey, make sure you greet so-and-so and I'm sending so-and-so to you. Make sure you greet them. And, and he's just kind of ending a letter much like we would end a letter, uh, maybe talking about family and it's so good to see you. We'll see you next week or whatever. And of course, not letters, emails or text or whatever, Facebook or all that stuff. And, uh, and, but all of a sudden, it's like this, this verse kind of just gets stuck in there. It's almost as if Paul remembers something and he makes this statement. It's a very powerful, bold statement, and I want you to listen to it. It says this, from now on, one translation says, from this moment forward, let no man cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. Man, what a statement. Paul stops for a moment. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe the enemy was messing with his head. Maybe somebody had said something or whatever. We know he's in house arrest. He's chained. There's a guard sitting there. He's writing this letter, man. And all of a sudden, he pauses for a moment. And he says, wait a minute. I'm not going to let another person, I'm not going to let the enemy or anybody else give me trouble anymore. For I am marked by God. And if you would put a title on this message, it would just simply be marked by God or branded by God. And God has marked each and every one of you. God has a mark on your life to not only do something for him, but to be something for him. And we got to grab a hold of that mark, and we got to trust God. I don't know what was going through Paul's mind, but he stopped, and he made a declaration. And a lot of people aren't making it in this walk we call Jesus, and they're just kind of going numb through life, and they're not doing what it is that God has called them to do. And they're just kind of going through the motions of life, and they're not in the present, maybe because they're worried about what happened in the past, or they're worried about what's in the future, but they're not living in that moment. I don't know. Maybe while he was writing, he saw 
the bite mark of that snake that bit him when he was shipwrecked and he was on the island. And when he, that snake came out of the fire and bit him, everybody knew it was a poisonous snake. And the Bible says they sat around and waited for him to die. Have you ever been there? Where people are waiting for you to die, waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you not to be successful. Oh, that's so-and-so. You know, that times where you say, hey, I'm going to start this business. And they come to you and they say, well, didn't the last business be unsuccessful? Well, I'm going to do in the ministry. Really, do we need another church in this particular area? And they want to just kind of pull you down. Maybe he saw that and he said, wait a minute. God saved me. I should have died. Maybe he reached on his back and he felt the scars on his back. And he remembered when he was beaten. Maybe he touched his head where they pulled him out of the marketplace and they stoned him and thought he was dead. Maybe there was rope burns on his hand from when they put him in a basket and they put him over the wall and they let him down and he was grabbing a hold of that rope and he somehow, some way of escape. And he pauses for a moment and he sees all the marks that God has placed upon his life and he says, wait a minute, I'm not going to let anybody anymore give me any trouble. When we understand the significance of the mark of God, there's a few things that come to my mind. The first one of this, and you alluded to it, and we, I know the Holy Spirit's in all this, is simply this. You need to bloom where you're planted. You need to bloom where it is that God has planted you. Acts 17, 26 says this. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. Wherever you at, you are there. Maybe. Maybe you're not. Maybe your mind is somewhere else going, man, I should be doing this by now or this should be happening or this much money should be in the bank. Listen, wherever you're at, you need to bloom. People are watching you. People are looking. I love new beginnings. But we don't want to start in the beginning. We want to start in the middle at the end. We want our churches to be 1,000 or 1,500 right off the bat. And that just isn't going to happen. And so most people don't like beginning, so they never begin. They just kind of move forward. They just kind of go. And you need to understand that not only are you marked by God, but God has a territory that he's marked you in. And you need to touch the places around you. Man, I've heard it all the time. As a pastor, just as a person. People come up and say, Pastor Wayne, if you just pray for me, there's this job. This is the thing I've worked for. This is the thing I have believed God for. This is what I went to school for. If I can just, if you could just pray, if I could get this job, everything I'll be able to provide for my family, everything's going to be all. Just if you could, and so I pray. And guess what? God gives it to them. And they're worshiping God and they're praising God. Two weeks later, the praise report becomes a prayer request. Oh, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why God put me here. The people are terrible. My boss is mean. All these things are happening. And all of a sudden, this thing that God had ordained and designed for you, you get in the middle of it, and all of a sudden, things get tough, and they get hard. And we just grow numb, and we want to quit, and we want to give in. No, we keep existing, but we're not blooming where we're planted. Maybe we're not blooming where we're planted because Maybe we've been disappointed by God. Maybe you're looking at God, not of the Bible, but you're looking at God through your circumstances and your situations. 
When it doesn't go your way, he's the God that disappointed you. If he doesn't heal you, he's now the God that doesn't heal. If it didn't go the way you wanted to go, now he's the God that was wrong. If somebody said this could happen and, and you would succeed and somehow it failed and it didn't go the way you thought it would go, now it's the God that failed. But then if it works out, oh, he's the God that heals. When you're on the mountaintop, oh, he's, he's everything. When you're in the valley, he's like, oh, my, why does God forsake me? Why is this happening? Why is this situation? And all of a sudden, he now becomes the God of circumstance. Look at John the Baptist. Jesus comes, and when he's coming, John is baptizing people. He's doing exactly what God had called him. Bloom where he's planted. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes. He goes, here comes the one that I am not fit to untie his shoes. Jesus walks in the water, and John's like, man, I can't baptize you. You're the son of God. They grew up together. You're the son of God. I, and, and so he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up. And they hear this voice that says, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. And then it says, the Holy Spirit came on him and ascended as like a dove. I don't know if it's an actual dove, I don't know, but people saw it. They experienced, John the Baptist experienced that. He heard the voice of God speak to the Son of God. He saw the Holy Spirit ascend. You can't really get much better than that. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. I mean, how was your day today? Well, I baptized the Son of God, and I heard God speak. It was pretty good. Fast forward three years later. John the Baptist is in jail. His disciples come to minister to him with food and drink and prayer. And he says, hey, go to Jesus and ask him, is he the one? Now think about that phrase for a moment. Three years later, he knows he's the son of God. Now he's saying, would you please go ask him, is he really the son of God? Is he really? And Jesus says, tell him the blind are seeing, deaf ears are open, people are walking. What is he saying? I'm still the same person that you saw walk out of that lake. What happened to John the Baptist? I'll tell you what happened. Jail happened. A circumstance happened that he did not understand. And as a result of that, instead of blooming where he planted and start ministering to people in the jail and start telling the people about Jesus until they finally uh, hang him or cut off his head, he's going to keep glorifying Jesus Christ. Instead, he says, I'm questioning now, is he even the one? And that's what happens in our lives. We get in these situations and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. And we're like, wait a minute, Jesus, are you really who you said that you were? And I'm telling you, he is. But you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep believing and trusting God. When we started this thing, man, God put this in our heart 20 years ago. That we were going to go on the mission field and we had already... Uh, planted churches with our youth ministry and even in, in the church we started we had built churches in in Russia and and man we just we loved we loved missions and and that was absolutely my heart and so we got this Macedonian call to Kenya and we didn't know where we were going it was the hardest thing to try to raise money and people said where are you going to plant churches I don't know yet but God's put something in my heart. And they were just the same thing I always heard. Well, when you figure out where you're going to do it, let us know. I'm like, okay. And when I figured it out, I let them know. And we went to Kenya. 
and we had uh, churches that we felt like if God had called us there, that, that we were going to build. And we literally had these things engineered the right size and shape so we knew every nail, all the metal, all the wood, everything that we would need to build these churches. And we went out there and we went to this, uh, who's now one of my dearest friends out in the bush, is Pastor Daniel. And he was having church underneath a tree. And we went out to visit him. And we went out there and, and his church was out there. It was about 15, 20 people. And they were under the tree and they were just worshiping Jesus. It was just, it was just incredible. But I don't know, if, if you're like me, every missions trip is incredible. Even the bad ones are incredible. I just love going to places where people need Jesus and the love of God. And so, man, I'm just excited, and I'm, I'm just, I don't know what they're saying, and they're just singing in the Ma, the Ma language. And, and then we get done, and we eat some goat and drink some chai tea. Mm. And, and we sit down, and he, and. Pastor Daniel opens up his Bible, and he pulls out this old sheet of paper that's just all brown and, and beat up, and, and, and he pulls it out. And he begins to talk, and the interpreter begins to interpret. And he says, God gave me a dream when I was in Bible school, this little Bible school in Tanzania. And God gave me a vision that he was going to build me a church one day. And he gave me the size and the dimension. And then he handed, he had rewrote them on another piece of paper and he handed it to me. And we were all standing there and when I looked at this sheet of paper, I realized at that moment that it was the exact same size and dimensions as the churches that we wanted to build there. Tears started streaming down our face. And we just began to... To just knew, we knew at that moment, I asked God, I said, God, send me to a place where I can go and die. And what I meant by that, a place that I could die to myself and, and build and plant churches a, until you, you take me home. Matter of fact, my goal at like 90 is to die in Africa. Not soon, but just to die in Africa because I want my kids to have to pay money to come get me. You know what I mean? I want them to go, I can't believe he died in Kenya. Really, do we even know where it's by? We got to go over there. We got to spend all this money. I want it to hurt just a little, you know, just, just a little. I want, it, I want them to roll their eyes and shake their heads. I, I want them to try to figure out how they're going to come up with all the money. That's what I really want. And we got, we, we found this place that we wanted to die because this Lord do the, did this miracle. And I got a picture of me standing at the very first place that we built the church with Pastor Musa. Pastor Daniel, we built him that church building and God just did incredible things. We have planted seven churches out of that one church. They have grown so much, they now use the church building as a backdrop. Now they're adding on to that church to the point that that village has been named in Kajia for four hundred years the community elders came together and said we want to change the name to the name of the church because of the revival that God has done in that village area that is leaving a mark but can you imagine this man who preached every single Sunday under a tree, and all he had was a vision and a piece of paper of what God gave him, that one day he would build me a building. What you have to understand, those buildings are the greatest form of evangelism that we have because when they see the building, they see God, and people just start coming to the building. 
And, and they come to the building and they look at this building and they hear the gospel and the love of Jesus and they give their lives to the Lord. Every church we build will triple or quadruple in size in 18 months. Just because the people see it and they know what a miracle it is. The second thing that I see here is this, that you must throw off every other mark. Hebrews 12 says this, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You can't run when you're entangled with all the stuff, man, the, the stuff of the past, the, those things that, that, that you look at. I love what Paul said. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and pressing on to the mark of the high calling of God in my life. What is he saying? This one thing I do. Paul did a lot of things. What was he saying there? He's saying, if I don't do anything else, I'm going to do this. I'm going to forget that. If, if nothing else happens in my life, I'm, I'm, this thing I'm going to do. Because if I don't, I cannot move forward. I cannot run the race that God has called me to run. All of us take marks and we don't even realize it. The father wound. You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. Why can't you be like your big brother? Why can't you be like your, your sister? Give me the wrench. I'll do it myself. And we hear these phrases and we hear these things. People come to us and say, you can't do that because this happened in your life. But remember this. And they're bringing back all the stuff and all the reasons. And if you're not careful, you begin to take on those marks. And that's why Paul made a declaration. He said, wait a minute. Maybe there were people that said, you're in jail because you deserve it, Paul. You deserve to be in jail. If you had more faith, you wouldn't be in jail. Something happened somewhere, Paul. And he just made a declaration in his own mind. Wait a minute. I'm not going to let this get on me anymore. I'm not letting the father wound keep me from doing what God has called me to do. I'm not going to let any other brand get on me but the brand of God. The mark of God on my life. For me, sometimes, the things that we do are scary. And sometimes fear can grip me. Man, we've had, I wasn't there, thank God, but we've had this, this task force now in Kenya that are going to, to, to missionaries, and they're putting them in, in jail. And, and they're trying to kick them out of the country and never let them back in because they're saying they're, start, they're doing businesses without a license. And it just so happens the head of this Per, this thing is, is a radical Islam, Muslim. And he's literally coming to the doors and trying to arrest us and put us in jail and keep us from ever coming back to Kenya. We've had terrorist attacks. By just a few days, I missed a terror attack in the mall in Nairobi. The, it started in the very place that I eat, my favorite place that I eat. And they killed these people, 60 people, women and children, they went to the college, and they killed over 200 people. I saw pictures you will never see. And literally, they, they just gathered all the Christians in the, in the cafeteria, and they just mowed them down, killed 18, 19, 20-year-olds, over 200 of them. Stopping buses and pulling them out of buses and saying, recite the, the, the prayer to Allah, and if they can't, they just killed them. 
And we've seen these things happen, and, and, and it just gets a little crazy. And the fact that I'm out in the middle of nowhere, I mean, there's, no, there's nothing. Okay, so we have a clinic, and God has blessed us. We have an adjacent school of over 1,000 kids. We've got 18 acres, 10 buildings. We have doctors, nurses. God just blessed us. And, and it's out in the middle of nowhere with mud huts. But yet, there's this fear. I mean, there's snakes. If you get bit by a snake, they're all poisonous too. There's not a single one that isn't poisonous. You, you, we will come to build buildings and there's this black mamba snake and we just kill it and, and we just move on and these viper snakes. And I mean, if you get bit by a snake, you just sit on a rock because you're about to meet Jesus. There is nowhere to go. There is nothing to do. You have a heart attack, just clench your heart and lift your hand because he's about to take it. You're not, there isn't anything. And I remember coming into to uh, customs, as I've always done. I spent over 120-something days in Africa last year. I'm coming, I'm going, I'm coming and going, and I'm coming and I'm going, and I get to customs, and I get there, and I printed out the wrong sheet, the wrong visa. I normally just put it in my personal email, and, and I pull it up, print it out, and put it in my passport, and I go, and I forgot to put the new one into my personal, so I click the old one, and I get there, and I print it out, and I realize what I've done. I handed it to her. And she looked at that, she looked at my passport, I knew what was going on, and she goes, you've already used this. I said, yeah, but it's good for three months, I'll just use it again. I was like going to talk her into it, you know. And she says, no, 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 you cannot do this. And she just goes, you know, and I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. And, and she gets up, and she says, follow me, and I'm like, all right, we'll take care of that, you know. And so we go all the way to the lady who, who, who oversees customs. This lady can say whether you go in or go out or if you can ever come in and go out. There's no committee. There's no running it through channels. She's it. And this lady walks up to her, and I'm standing there, and I'm waiting to get my okay. And she looked at her, and she says, this man is stealing from Kenya, and he's abusing me. That was her opening statement. I'm like, what? Wait, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 I'm not Steve. And so I started telling him all that I was doing. Oh, we build churches and da-da-da-da-da. And she's like, oh, you're a Christian and you would treat her like that? I go, treat her like what? I didn't, if anybody treats somebody bad, she treated me bad. And this lady starts grabbing papers and handing them to this guy. And he's running off Xerox copies and, he's, and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, you're like whoa, 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 what are you doing? She says, you're going back to America. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There are people out there waiting for me. I'm gonna, I, be, I have to build three churches this trip. I've got all these things going. No, 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 no. You can't. I've, I've got to go. So, no, no, no. You're going back to America tonight. Flights go out at, at 11.59. And it's like 10 o'clock. And so she's feeling like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I, I, so I'm just going to turn around and come back. That's what I told her. So I'll just turn around and come back. She goes, oh, you don't understand. You'll never step foot in Kenya again. I am putting this in these computers, and you will never go through custom again. You will never come to Kenya again. And I'm thinking our property. I'm thinking all the churches that we've built. We've, we've built 29 churches in the last 24 months. We planted 16 brand new churches. And I'm like, God. And I called Denise, and she's my prayer warrior, and she has people that will pray. And I said, email, Facebook, get them, tell them they will not let me come. They said, I'm never coming back again. And I am distraught. I'm going, please, please, just nothing. She wouldn't even look at me, nothing. And I knelt my head, and, and I just, fear had come over me, and I just, I said, God, what do I do? 
And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to kneel in front of her. And I want you to beg her to let you in. And so I lifted up my head, said a prayer. I lifted up my head. And she was standing there. And I knelt down in front of her. And I put my hands like this. And I looked at her. And I said this. I am begging you to let me in. And she says, oh, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And she's looking around because she don't want people to see that a man is bowing in front of a woman in Kenya because in Kenya, they call the women donkeys. They're the workers. They're the lowly. They eat, they don't eat with the men. They, they treat them poorly. They don't treat them like they should. And when she saw that, she freaked out. She's afraid others would see. She said, no, 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 get up, get up, get up, get up. And she got up and, 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 and she goes, wait, 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 wait. And she went left, and she came back with the custom papers. And she said, fill this out. I'm going to let you in. And, and people look at me, and they say, well, God said that he would not have Christians begging bread. you got to understand something. When God has given you something, you better learn how to beg. You better learn how to go after God. You better learn how to do whatever it takes to do what it is, the place that God has marked out for you. And that's what I did. I, I am not. I made a declaration at that moment. I just did what Jesus, I never would have bowed. I would never even thought of that. But Jesus said, I want you to bow and I want you to beg. And so that is what I did. When God gives you something, you understand something, I beg for my children to marry the right person. I've got three daughters. I've got guys come with the pants hanging down. Oh, no, no, you can get back in that piece of junk you drove in. And I look at my, my daughters, I say, uh-uh, that ain't happening. Do you understand? I don't care if they're 15, they better have a job. They, they better be going somewhere. They better be madly in love with Jesus because I don't want second best for my kids. Do you understand? I, I'm, I'm 30 plus years married to this Puerto Rican. Come on, somebody. We fight for our marriage. We are believing God for our marriage. I cry out to God, what do we do? Where do we go? What do we do? See, when God has marked a territory or place out for you, you can't let any other mark get a hold of you. Fear, confusion, all of that stuff, you must shake it off. Shake it off and trust and believe God. The third thing is this. God has got this. Woo. Psalms 105.15 says this. Don't touch my anointed. Do them no harm. Listen to this. For they are mine and they bear my mark. If you touch them, you are touching me. Man. Woo. Man, if anything is trying to touch you, God's saying it's trying to touch me. You got to understand how much God loves you. Listen, I heard this phrase from Russ Taff, old Christian artist, and he's, he had this movie out about his life, and he had dealt with alcoholism his, his whole ministry life, and he struggled with it. His dad struggled with it. Matter of fact, his dad said, beat him. His mom beat him, and they were pastors and alcoholics. It was just a horrible upbringing, a horrible situation. And he made this statement. He simply said this He said, I believe God loved me, I just didn't believe He liked me. In other words, he was always disappointed in me. He was always 
looking at me in, in disgust. Yeah, he loved me because he had to love me, because he's God, but he just didn't really like me. <clears throat> he just didn't really want to be with me. And God says, I have marked you. I love you. If they touch you, they've touched me. In other words, God has got your back. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds the, the 5,000, really 15,000. And then he go, they go straight into a boat and they take off and the seas are, are well. And all of a sudden they see what they think is a ghost. And Jesus is walking on water and he literally steps in the boat. And, and they were terrified. They were in complete in total fear, and they didn't understand what was going on. And in that verse at the end, they said their hearts were hardened. One translation said this, they did not even consider the miracle. They didn't even consider it. You got to understand, God has got this. People look at what we do, and they're like, how do you raise hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars every year? And I kind of look at that, and I go, I'm just not sure. I just know God's got this. And we don't take these churches out of our general fund. That takes care of our, of our workers. It takes care of the clinic. It takes care of the property. It takes care of me. It takes care of flights. It takes care of all that stuff. We have to every year, if I want to build 17, 20 churches this next year, I got to raise the money every single year. In other words, I got to do it all over again at the beginning of every year. Some missionaries, they raise their money each month and then they have it and they don't have to worry about it. We're not that way. Why? Because I believe God wants to unite us with people. There are people, there's people in this room right here that have already left a legacy in Kenya. They've built a church. They got a hold of me and said, we want to do that. That's how we operate. We are believing and trusting God that he's bringing churches and business and individuals and families to say, I want to leave a legacy. We started in Tanzania and, and we didn't have the money. I never have the money. I'm just going to let you know. Whenever I look at these people and say, we're going to build you a building, it is always by faith. I never have the money. There's no money in the bank. Do you understand me? But God has got this. God has got this. And I learned this in the very beginning when I, I literally told four churches we were going to build a building. And I honestly did not have the money in the bank to buy food on the way back from the airport, coming back home. I'm just like, we were, we were that broke. And I'm going to get back into Nairobi in this little guest house. I pay $29 a night to stay in, and it's really bad. Matter of fact, I don't even stay there when Denise comes because it's just not good. But I don't want to spend a bunch of money. I wanted to go to something else. And so I'm sitting there, and I, I, I get there, and I just sit on the bed, and I'm exhausted. We travel. We're going to places now no white man or foreigner has ever stepped foot we're going to place they literally have to make a road for us. I brought a team, Access in Lakeland, I brought a team out. We built a church where no white man or foreigner ever got. We got there in the van, we opened up the van, and the guys walked out, and there was like 20 Maasai there. All, everybody 15 and under just ran and screamed and, and took off. And the people were like, what's going on? I said, they've never seen a white person before. And we're in this place. Tanzania, I'm like, I don't have the money. I'm sitting there in this area, and I said, God, I've just told four pastors that I'm going to build them churches next time I come, and you and I both know I have no money. And when I got into Nobius, I was going to download all the pictures and, so on Facebook, and so I got on Facebook, and there was a thing in my message, private message, and I clicked onto it. And it was this businessman who builds all the hotels in, uh, on Clearwater Beach, number one beach in America. 
he says, hey, Wayne, he says, I've, first thing he says is, I've checked you out. I'm glad he didn't go like too deep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he goes, I've called some people. I want to make sure what you were doing is legit. God spoke to us and we want to help you. And I knew at that moment, he said, we'll build four churches. It was the four churches we built. I was in Daytona one time and I was three weeks from going to, a month from going to Africa. I needed $7,600. I said, how did you know you need $7,600? Because I, want to, I write it down so when God does it, I know I can give him praise for it. And it wasn't an accident or fate, but it was by faith. So if you ask me how much I need, I'll tell you exactly how much I need, right down to the penny. We needed $7,600. I get to this pastor. I was on his board. We were preaching, and they'd never give me an offering over 1000 bucks. And he says, man, I've got faith today. What are you believing for? I said, well, we need a lot of money. We're leaving in a month, and we're just trusting God. And he says, well, what? What does that mean? And I said, well, we need, okay, we need $7,600 because I'm going to believe God with you. And I'm like, okay. He says, oh, by the way, when we always take the offering at the end, I want them to hear what we're doing. It always is a better offering. I'm not going to lie to you. If they don't know what we're doing, nobody gets. He says, listen, we're just going to take the offering at the beginning. You've got five minutes, and I want you to come and preach and pray for people. I said, okay. And that's what we did. And they took an offer. It was very nonchalant, no emotion in it whatsoever. And we get done, I pray for people, and he says, man, we'll meet you at the TGI Fridays. I go to the TGI Fridays, I sit down, he comes in, he's got tears streaming down his face. And he hands me a check, he says, you got to open. Now, I never open the checks right then, okay? As soon as I get in the car, I open them, because I want to praise God all the way home. And so, I said, well, that's okay, dude. No, 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 open it. So, I open it, and it's $2,607. I'm like, man, that's almost triple of anything you've ever, thank you. So I go, so you don't understand. There was a couple there that was from Canada. They were driving down the road. They saw our church, and it was their last day of vacation, and they felt like they were supposed to go to church. And they, when they drove by our church, they said, how about that one? They said, okay. And so they pulled in and went to church, and they heard what we were doing, and they wrote a check for $5,000, $7,607. In that offering. And I, we were driving home. I said, God, why? I mean, it really would have been impressive with 7600 on the dot, you know, but $7 over. And God just spoke gently to my spirit. And he says, Wayne, I want you to know I'm always more than enough. I'm always more than enough. When we were in Africa, we were, I didn't have no place to stay. And I said, God, if you could just get us property. I didn't need property. I needed a lot of property. I needed a home. I needed, I needed uh, homes. Uh, I, I wanted, you know what I'm saying? But you know how you break it down because you don't feel like God can handle your prayer, right? It's like, well, God, if you just give me the, the property first because I don't want to bug you. I know this is really a lot for you, you know, to do. So if you could just do that and then maybe we can get the money. We'll trinkle in a little bit and I can build a little home, God. And, and so just think, you know, I don't want to overwhelm you with my prayers and all the things that I need. You know what I'm saying? We just kind of want to break it down. I'm just like, God, I just need property. If you just give me property, I'll build a tent, man. I'll just, I'll do whatever I got. And that was my prayer. And we started building these churches. And, and we started getting, the government started coming. They're like, man, we like what you're doing. This is awesome. We, we've never had this before. And these community elders came to me and said, hey, we want to show you something. And I said, okay. And they took me to this area called Majimoto, which means hot springs. There's literally a hot springs bubbling up out of the water. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's zebras and giraffes everywhere, elephants. I mean, it's just like, and it's amazing. And, and we, when we plant our churches, we have elephant watchers. 
so the elephants won't come and trample the same bush gardens, okay? And, and these elephants are n- not nice, okay? And I just got stories of just, I could preach just on elephants, okay? And so we've seen all these wildlife, and I'm like, man, this is, boy. and I come along this basically, except for one person, and this beautiful church building, these, these homes made out of block, you know, and, and, and they were worn down and all messed up. And I'm like, what is this? Are you kidding me? What is it? And they said missionaries in the 1960s, they couldn't even drive there. They flew these little prop planes over and landed. And they saw this steam and they saw these hot springs and said, we'll start a mission organization. They had more money than brains. They built all these buildings. And after a few years, they left and left it abandoned. And literally, the government owned it. The government came to us and said, we want to give you all of this. We want to give you the 18 acres. We want to give you the building. We, want to give, we have the largest church in that whole region, size-wise. We have a clinic here. We have all this stuff. And, of course, we had to put all this money into it and all this stuff. But God literally, I was just looking for land. But God gave me all this other stuff, this beautiful area, this beautiful place. Literally, our water is piped in from the hot springs into our home. I got a toilet a flushing toilet. And when you don't, you know what I'm saying, you, go, you find a hole. That's how you do your, you know what I'm saying, I have a toilet that flushes. So we started putting all this money to it and then I got fearful that the government owned it. They just like said here. And I thought, when they're, I'm going to make it all nice, put hundreds of thousands of dollars into it. We fixed up the doctor's quarters, the nurse's quarters, the lab technician. We, we put thousands of dollars into the clinic, all this stuff. And I just said, God, I mean, I'm put all this money and they're going to come back and take it. And literally every 40 to 50 years, they lift the deeds on all the mass size property and they rearrange everything. Now, they don't do it mean. They may say, hey, we're going to take, you know, you got to build a mud hut every, you know, six months anyway. And so... They're like, we're going to take your two acres, but we're going to give you four down the street. That's not really streets, but down the way. And so they looked at us and said, we've lifted a deed on your place. It's no longer owned by the government. Who would you like to put the name on the deed? And said, I got the name. And we put that name, that deed in our ministry's name. The ministry there, not even my ministry. It's now owned by the church. And the little pastor that was on there is now my partner. And helps us do everything that God has called. What am I saying? God's got this. God's got this. Man, we went to build the, the clinic. And I needed, I've calculated in my brain, we needed $15,000 to make this clinic what it is, to fix up the doctor's course and all this stuff. And I called my buddy who's on my board and I said, look, we need to do this. He said, well, listen, I got to get off the phone. I'll pray about it and I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. I said, okay. He called me back about a week later and he said, listen, I've looked at my savings and everything. And he says, all I've got is $15,000, would that help? That was the exact amount of money that I needed. What am I saying? God's got this. Would you please start to consider the miracle again? Start believing God again, that he can do things that are beyond your scope and beyond what you can do. It's not all up to you. There's things that you cannot do, but you gotta start believing that God can do them. The thing that touched me, before I do my last point, the thing that touched me, that left a mark, and I'll just go to my fourth point, leave a mark. God's put a mark on you, now it's your turn to leave a mark. Thessalonians 3.17 says this, I, Paul, write with this greeting in my own hand, which is a distinguishing mark in all my letters. 
What is your distinguishing mark? What does that look like to you? What is it that you, the thing that left a mark on my life and that, and we started building women churches and all the men pastor came to me and said, listen, you can't build a women's pastor's churches first. You got to build all the men's first. And I said, okay, the women's church is going to be the next one I built just because that's ridiculous. And I'm not taking on that thing. We're going to change that here. And we don't westernize them. We don't do any of that stuff, but you need to treat women the way Jesus would want you to treat them. And so just because you said that, I'll start with her. And we built this woman a church, and we went out there uh, one Sunday, and we were going to surprise her. And it was literally a, 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 a downpour like you would not believe. It was so bad. And she was running over 100 people. I've never seen that many people underneath a tree. And we wanted to build her a church. And we got out there. The rain was so bad. Nobody was at the church but her. And she was standing there, and she was pointing out to the woods where people were supposed to be sitting. And she's just talking. And we get out there, and we got out, and we're pouring down rain, and we're slushing through these muds, and water's rushing through these cabins and in the, in the ground, and she's kind of in the middle, and she's just preaching. And we get up there, she doesn't even know we're there, and she's just preaching. And I said, what is she saying? And he says, he, she's talking about the faithfulness of God. Man, tears just began to stream down my face. And I just said, thank you, Jesus. God, no matter what the situation, I need to leave a mark. No matter what is happening, no matter what is going on, I need to leave a mark. When we started, God told me to go back. He says, Wayne, I don't want you to build Bible college and raise up people and plant churches. He says, I want you to start building churches first. And if you'll trust me, and that's what we did. We started building churches. And once we did that, we started getting the attention. We have 300 pastors in our, our fellowship now. We're seeing all that God is doing. And so we had built three churches. But I, I was just the Mazunga. The Mazunga means white man, okay? And they thought I was a rich Mazunga. And the only part about that thing is true is the Mazunga part. The rich part is not happening, okay? And I, yeah, I'm rich in love, yeah, but I ain't got no money, okay? And so I'm like, I would tell him, said, I'm not rich. Oh, rich Mazunga, we'll build us a church, rich Mazunga. I was not leaving a mark. We built buildings, but we hadn't left a mark. And, and I began to cry out to God. I'm like, God, we've got a, they're, they're coming just because they want a building. There's no connection here. They're, they're not seeing me as someone who is sent by God to come and plant and build churches. They're just looking at me as some rich white guy. And then he's just going to build me a church building and then he's going to move on. And everybody they see, anytime they see, we're 45 minutes from safari anytime they see a white person out there he's just a rich guy going to safari and i'm like god i can't convince them of this something has got to happen and one time i went there and i met with the only nine pastors that would show up and it, the drought was so bad that the animals were dying literally we were passing uh cows that were dead and you got to understand when they're they're shepherds old testament they're shepherds when their flock died they die and so it had not rained for a whole year Nothing for a whole year, no rain. And the animals were dying. It was dusty. And I'm like, guys, what is going on? And they told me what was happening. That it had not rained in over a year. And they hadn't seen anything like that in 13 years. And I said, we're ne we need to stand and we need to pray that God will bring the rain. And we joined hands and we began to pray. And, and I'm praying. I'm leading the prayer and the guy's interpreting. And I said, God, I'm asking you that it will rain in the next 24 hours. And then he interpreted it, and they all began to shout and applaud, and I realized what I had said. And I'm like, well, 
I wanted to take it back and go, God, could you have it rain in the next week or so? You know what I'm saying? Just because, you know, I don't want to, oh, I can't believe I said it. So we get done, and they're like, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. I'm going, oh, dear Jesus. So I'm walking back to this place where I'm staying, and I'm just like, God, if you ever answer another prayer, <laughs> could you please just answer this one, just this one? And I'm probably after you answer this, I'm going to tell you, I didn't really mean to do just this one, that I needed to do more, but if, if, you know, just, if you could just please. <laughs> so I get up and I literally wake up and the first thing that pops into my brain, the sun's coming, first thing that pops into my brain, oh dear God, it needs to rain today. And so I stood up, I looked out, it's not a cloud in the sky. And I'm like, dear God, I'm going to be the rich Mazunga that isn't rich for the rest of my life here. I'm just, this is horrible. If, I don't mind being the rich Mazunga if I was really rich, you know, but I'm not. And so literally, I'm, I'm just, and we hadn't had the building, the property yet. We hadn't had any of that stuff. And so around 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I look over to this area, with, that, uh, and I see some clouds. They were dark. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Could we say it rained somewhere else? That would be good, right? Because it's the whole region, right? God, it's not just this, this particular area. And, and this is, you know, and so it just so happened that the rain started over Majimoto was where God gave me the property. And the rain came, and within 24 hours, not one drop of rain in a year, it started raining. And it did not stop raining for 36 hours. We had flash floods. We were going to areas to preach where we had to stop the cars that got stuck and we had to walk to the place to preach. And mounds of people were there. And I had to preach two services because I'd preach one and I'm like, we're done. And they're like, no, we want more. We want more. You are the one that God has sent us. And at that moment, I came to be the rich Mazunga that's not rich to the guy that God had sent to come and leave a mark on an area. Do you understand? I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say today is simply this. God really does want you to leave them. And it just warms my heart that, that you're doing what you're doing because of somehow I, I, I left a mark. But man, I want to be home sleeping while you're leaving a mark on somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? There's some people in the room, in this room, that have left a mark on me. There's some people in this room that left marks in Kenya. We did, we'd say, God, we want to put a mark on Tanzania, and I didn't have, we didn't have any money. I still don't have any money for Tanzania. I said, God, I just want to build three churches. Tanzania is bad. We can, Tanzania, they, they're trying not to let us in. They're, try, they're, they're fining us for everything I bring into the country. The first time we went, we went the back way because I'm a rule breaker. They literally were pouring hot water from helicopters onto the border of Tanzania. They were putting people in jail because they were buying stuff in Tanzania and bringing it to Kenya or buying stuff in Kenya and bringing it to Tanzania. Here we are with a, a bunch of uh, wood and metal to build a building in Tanzania. 
We've built three churches in Tanzania. It was exactly what we wanted to build. We built it. Matter of fact, a guy came. He says, I want to build the first two churches in Tanzania. I said, praise God. When he got there on that Sunday morning, he said, I woke up this morning and God spoke to me and told me I'm not supposed to build three churches. I'm supposed to build five churches in Tanzania. Oh, my God. We have seen such a revolution in Tanzania. The three churches that we built, over 1,200 people showed up. At these, and when I tell you it is out in the middle of nowhere, you can get binoculars and not see one mud hut. Not one mud hut. But 400 people showed up in each and every one of these things. They're already packed out. They can have no more room. It's just like revival started in Tanzania. But we started with no money, no nothing. Just a vision in Jesus. Just a vision in Jesus. Stand to your feet. If this message impacted you, 